Welcome everyone to another episode. Oh my god. This is how this begins. <laughs> I said it's episode 75. We're going to do it raw. What is the old um Oh, Bill Riley, right from uh Fox News. I don't know if he still works there, but famous for debating with John Stewart and a lot of other things that he got himself in trouble and wrote a lot of books and things. They're interesting. But um he said, well, do it live. <laughs> I was trying to get him to read this, this script uh, to tape a little uh, TV ad or something. And he couldn't get it right. So he starts cursing and tells him, we'll do it live. That's tomorrow. And that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a, I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. No. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! And thing sucks! In five, four, three. That's tomorrow and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. But I said, it's episode 75, I'm not gonna... I don't really edit anything anyway. The beginning I do sometimes where I'll... You know, I want it to sound a certain way. Or uh, I'm timing it so that I'm lighting a match or something at the same time. There's all kinds of little... You know, it's I don't know, part of the atmosphere. It's the, the magic of being able to press stop and delete the old file and re-record again. But I'm literally like, I haven't organized my, my notes. Uh, I just, I pulled out a book. I started writing some things, uh, some ideas I had when I woke up this morning. That's kind of how this happens. Um, I will wake up or I'll be in a mood where I'm like, you know what? These are, are two main things. And then somewhere on my desk, yeah, over here underneath these uh, towels. I always keep towels on my desk so I'm eating pizza or whatever. I can wipe my hand and keep my uh, keyboards and everything from being so greasy and um, everything but yeah there's more notes from a podcast I attempted to record on Wednesday and my uh, old HP computer um, is constantly going into if you know what I'm talking about it's the blue screen where it'll fail and it, it's got this awful sound that it makes you know and it's uh fatal error so it's got to reboot anyway there was there was two different files that were an hour long because sometimes i'll i'll stop at 50 some minutes and go take a break and sometimes i just hit pause and so most everything on here is unedited um if you've listened to old episodes you know that i'll go in there and bleep out curse words and things of that nature so i had <clears throat> gone through these different stories <laughs> all this stuff it's gone and that's the thing about my memory and the way that I work, um, not only mechanically, but neurologically, that a lot of things, when they're on my mind or they need to be kind of processed, reflected, <laughs> if I get them out there, they're gone. They're gone. Sometimes I can repeat it, but a lot of times I'm doing sort of a an expression in these podcasts that just I need to clear the system out and some people find it interesting and listen and others you know but I 
woke up this morning with these thoughts about, I said, you know what? Hell with this. It's episode 75. At least I think it is. It is. I, I went and looked. Now, technically it's not. There's no episode 19. That's reserved for an episode I was going to do on my father who wore 19 in college, et cetera, et cetera. And I just, I've not gotten around to it yet. Guess what? Father's Day is next week. So, um, there will be 75 episodes. But, yeah, a lot of silly things have happened in the last couple of weeks. And I hope that your world is um, just as, if not more, rewarding than my world. But without the same chaos. Um, spoken to a lot of folks. I've, I've had some different um, approvals or validations from people who are far up the uh, food chain from me, things of that nature. I lost a member of the family, um, a cousin uh, of my father's, which would make him my second cousin. We always considered him an uncle. And I won't go too much into the complexities of the situation, but <clears throat> there was some family shenanigans that happened with someone's, uh, I think, a power of attorney, something of that nature. And he sided with uh, you know, our side of the family. Put it that way. Um, so he was always a different kind of character at, at large. But a lot of people associate with people or they, they pull them in and hug them a little closer because of their political beliefs or their um, decisions, you know, how they treat others in relationships. So, hey, you're a member of, in my professional world i'm a member you're a member of management but if you side with up or down it does reflect on how much they'll trust you and how far they let you into their circle you have to understand uh that you could be a member of a tribe uh in label only or something of that nature but but be accepted across uh, you know uh all fronts and and embraced even by what you may think is the opposition and um it's, it's interesting when when those people come along in life they describe uh him and i just call him my uncle as someone who you didn't know if he was telling you the truth or a lie or there's probably some truth in there and it was fun to figure out and i thought hey that sounds familiar <laughs> so it was a great um good as it could be right it's a great memorial service and uh i didn't know who was speaking but i know the guy who spoke at the end very well and he put on a hell of a show and told some great stories and uh i got the privilege of going to dinner with him afterwards um my father, so he's 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 quite a character, um, and he keeps. Well, he, I, I guess you number one, you have to experience the vibrant and the energetic things that happen in life to be able to retell them, right? I guess you could just make stuff up, but when you see it, you feel the energy coming back out of somebody. It's like I have lightning in a bottle, and I'm taking the top back off of that bottle again. So that's interesting. My. Th 
My thumb is not cooperating with me this morning. I cut it very deeply yesterday with a razor knife. Uh, my grandfather used to peel apples this way. You take, you grip the knife in your fingers with the blade facing towards you and your thumb almost on the edge of the blade. And then you would run the apple between those things. And and he could spin the apple in a circle and, and have the peel all in one piece and, you know, peel it all the way off. I never saw him cut his fingers, but I was cutting some uh, rope and banding off of some carpet yesterday. I was working at the, well, I was volunteering. It's, it's not work to me because it's, it's great. It's good to get out of the house and burn calories and help other people. But I was volunteering and uh, I was <laughs> I was cutting back towards me with a razor knife. Tore my thumb, and it popped it, and I thought, all right, my thumb, I, I don't know why I thought my thumb would be a good thing to be the brakes for the knife, but uh, it wasn't initially. It did stop the knife, but it was already a little deep into the skin, and I um, found an old piece of paper towel, wrapped it in that, taped it over, so, yeah. But I think that's why my immune system is so good. I, I, I cut the splinters out of my hand that um, come from various places, but I don't clean the knife or sterilize it or something. It's my knife that I use to cut everything else and, and dig under my skin. And I know some people in healthcare might be out there listening going, whoa, hey, hey. I know. My mother has a master's in nursing. <laughs> I've heard this speech a, a many times. This woman was head of environmental health and safety and infection control. I I grew up with VHS tapes of bloodborne pathogens in my entertainment center and would watch them from time to time. I I'm well aware of the risk that I'm getting myself into, but I don't mind. I um I tend to treat people pretty well. I trust karma. It's one of those things that's even in the notes right here. I mean, there's some folks who I ran across recently, and, and you know, we were have been friends. Or I don't know if we, they consider me us friends or whatever, but how are you doing? How are the things? Da, da, da. And sometimes people feel like they can just, I think the modern word is project, but they can just uh, unload things on me. Um, I know what you're thinking, Anthony. Um, but, you know, you speak to someone, and, uh, I was speaking to a friend of mine, female friend of mine, and very, you know, going through a lot of changes and wanting to better themselves, and I, you know, need a little space, want a little time to think, and this and that and the other, but very vitriol or, or unhappy in the way that, um, spoke to me sometimes and almost in this kind of like bark, 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 you know and I'm like hey I'm just trying to make sure that you're fed and watered and you're have a good life dog why are you trying to bite my hand you know um it's the analogy obviously I, I respect the person and enough to, to be my friend and check on them I don't think of them as a canine but um something you can picture, right? You know, bite the hand that feeds or whatever, whatever. And I've always thought this is very weird that, like, people who have been in my life 
who are real jackasses. I mean, and I always tell them, I say, you know, people never want to be Eeyore. They always want to be Winnie the Pooh. Maybe Piglet, maybe Tigger. Nobody wants to be Eeyore because he's a jackass. And so don't be a jackass. You know, don't talk to me like I don't. What did I do for you to speak like that? Well, you're here and you can take it. Yes, I can, but it's fuck stupid because I don't know what it is. I don't think it has anything to do with like some universal, you know, hallelujah thing of where I used to wrestle and call myself the savior and so forth. But sometimes when people are jerks, stupid shit happens to them. I and it ain't got anything to do with me. Directly, I mean, I didn't, I didn't will it to happen. I don't think I have any kind of universal Harry Potter magic wand, use the force kind of thing. But you know, hey, I hadn't heard from you. Everything's all right. No, this morning I was doing this and I broke some toes and I hit my head and I was like, damn. Well. I used to um, ask them if they needed any more help. I was getting ready to leave the restaurant from day shift, and the night shift was coming on. And I'd say, hey, 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 you need this, you need that, whatever, whatever. No, no, we're good, Mike. You get on out of here. All right. And then a lot of cars would come, or a lot of business would come. Hey, you're going to help us, right? I'm not going to help you. Because I believe, this is my, <laughs> I would look at him and say, I believe in justice. And they were like, what's that mean? I said, well, you told me you didn't want to help. And now there's your situation. So I got to respect your decision. <laughs> and they look at me like I'm some kind. And I thought, no. You know, this is the thing. You assess where you're at and, and maybe leave your options open or you speak to someone very um, compassionately is not a bad word. But, you know, don't. Don't be foolish, and I, I don't know what it is, but sometimes people act really foolish to me, and they wind up, maybe this happens with everybody, but they wind up in these very unfavorable circumstances, and then I just step back and go, ooh, is that what happens? Because I've been in some bad circumstances. I probably did something wrong to somebody. But yeah, I mean, there's people who've dated me or my, you know, exes, whatever, whatever. Had very unfavorable, like, health diagnoses or whatever. I don't know how to explain that. Part of it, I think, is because I'm attracted to folks who could use a little compassion or somebody to kind of prop them up and, and be a friend and, you know, take care of them. And, hey, you know, I got you. And then when you're not there, nobody's got them anymore, and they kind of fall behind. This thing where people talk crap to me, and then they end up being in a bad way, whether it's frustrated or broken bones or whatever it is. It's weird. I don't like it, but it's it's. It, I love irony. I don't like anybody being else uh, else being in discomfort, but I don't mind irony. Irony is interesting. You know, some guy was trying to run and steal something off your bumper, but he fell and ran into the stop sign or something. You're like, <laughs> look at that. The guy tried to steal from the bank and ran into the glass door, the metal support, or he got arrested or whatever, and you're like, ah, he gets what he deserves. 
maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but it's been a weird week for some of that stuff. And you know, I've I've had a couple of different communications from people who were like, "Hey, I'm I'm in need," and I'm like, "Do you remember how you spoke to me? Like, you basically made it very clear that you did not want me as part of uh, any kind of thing in your life. You're you're going your own direction. You're doing your thing." I was written out of the picture. You killed me off in your story, so savior or not, I can't be resurrected, you know. But I just, I don't know what to think about a lot of that stuff other than it's it's compelling to think of the level of the amount, the number of coincidences. It's compelling to think about. I'll get into my notes here. Because we've been going for 15 minutes. and I follow the wrestling format. We talk for 15 or 20 minutes. And then we get into the action. Which wrestling's been good. But um, ever since they merged. Uh, WWE merged with UFC. And this big company. Whatever it is. Endeavor or something. They stopped having sales on their championship belts. And sales on anything else on the website. So I, I understand how they're going to get their money back. They're going to charge everybody full price. No more discounts. No more sales. No more nothing. And they think people can't stop consuming. Well, I've been preaching about that thing on this podcast for a long time there, Jethro. And I don't think people are going to stop consuming either. I got a great tan because of it. Thank you all for heating the world up and making me sweat my nuts off outside. Anyhow. What about you, Michael? I'm drinking out of glasses that I wash. They send that water to the treatment plant and back again. Costs a little energy, but I'm not throwing hardly anything in the trash. What little trash I have, for the most part, I burn. And it goes, you know, up into the atmosphere. I throw the ashes somewhere else and and they decompose into the earth. And that's it. What? Yeah, it ain't that hard. Surprising, right? What, uh... What's it here? Th- those are the good notes. Those will be the main event. Rights without responsibilities. Warrior sound clip. Oh, okay. So that'll be uh, from the Ultimate Warriors uh, speech at UConn in 2004. He talked about, are there any rights without responsibilities? I'll have to just put that clip in here. <laughs> and it's a little long, but you'll enjoy it. Um, if you don't like it, you'll still enjoy hearing it because it'll just drive you crazy. Um, and if you like what you hear, uh, it'll just set you free. Now I need to ask you, who in here knows of rights you can have, acquire, or get someplace, or get to use, without there being a responsibility? Does anybody know where we can get some rights to do something without a responsibility? For instance, like you go home for the weekend or for a holiday, a school holiday. And you get to use something of your family's. You get the right to use it. Aren't you responsible for it? You come to school. You take classes. You have the right to go to school. You pay your tuition. You get signed up for the classes. Is there a responsibility that comes along with it? Does anybody know where they can get rights without responsibility? Right to life. That's probably your most fundamental responsibility. Is there a responsibility? To yourself. Or to who? 
What are the responsibilities that come with the right to life? Just no, a simple it's, one. You're, it's, you're born, you have a right to life when you're born. You don't, you don't have to do anything for it. I know. Who raised you? Who changed your shitty diapers? <laughs> <laughs> who fed you? Who stuffed, who stuffed the nipple in your mouth? As a baby, as a baby, what was my responsibility to my parents before my right to life? What did I have to do to earn my right to life? Right to right includes the inherent responsibility by somebody. You don't have any responsibility? As a child, as a baby, what do you have to do to earn your right to life? I didn't say earn your right to life. No, it doesn't make sense at all. Somebody has the responsibility of sustaining your life. There's a responsibility. You have to pay it back later. No, 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 no. Did I say you? I say any right. Any right. Any right. Is there any right you know of without a responsibility? Responsibility to find half. There are no rights. No, the guy you did is idiotic. There are no rights. You have a right to life, okay? If somebody, okay, so if nobody does anything to sustain that life, if they drop the responsibility... I, have, I don't have to earn... No, you're turning into something I didn't ask. I said, do you know of any rights? Your life, your, your life when you were born depended on that adults would act responsible to keep that life right alive. I didn't say in my question to anybody, do you know of a right you can have without your own individual responsibility? There is no right. There is... The question was, do you know of a right without responsibility? Water. Is there a right? <laughs> what are you smoking? <laughs> there aren't any. There aren't any. There are no rights without responsibility. Beautiful. Same give and take. Rather, the give and protect applies to every one of you as a citizen of this country. Protection of one's unalienable right without the assumption of self-responsibility absurd is absurd. Yet it's an absurdity that we tolerate every day. Now I'm a conservative, and I somewhat explained that before we started this evening. I'm a conservative who defines it very simply. And I start with preserving traditions that have worked throughout time, beginning with the simple idea that people need to think and they need to provide for themselves. But it's been my experience since I've been involved, paying attention and doing this self-study to see what's going on, that are a group who call themselves Liberals who want to sidestep the responsibility that comes with the protected unalienable right. Who in here would like to take a crack at telling me what they think the fundamental difference is? Hey, look, I'm good with it, man. You want to participate, but with me, there's a right and a wrong. You're entitled to your wrong opinion about things. <laughs> Round and round the mulberry bush, round and round and round, saying, 
your opinion is just as valid as mine. If, my, if, you're, if I'm wrong and you correct me, I will defer and I will say I was wrong. Now, I'm going to take the right, I'm going to have the right idea about it because you straightened me out. But in a lot of things that I'm going to talk about here as we go along, my opinion is right. There is a right opinion. There are right ideas about how the world works. Liberals have a tendency to think that that's not the case, that every idea is just as legitimate as every other. Because people want freedom and expression and otherwise, and then they think there's little responsibility as to the preservation of those or what it means to have to weed through the bullshit and get rid of the nonsense that goes on in life. Um, it's great to be able to go out into the free marketplace and do this, that, and the other, but somebody's got to do quality control and somebody has to be able to be there for the customers and so forth, which is why you have the Better Business Bureau and the SEC and all these other places to kind of double check or the state attorney general's office where you can take your complaints when the companies are what you feel is lacking uh, closure for your situation. They're not doing what you think they should do. So you go file a complaint somewhere and go, oh, this company defrauded me or something that's illegal. Well, that's, I get that. That's in a general statute. That's something for civil court. But there's a lot of times where people argue about whether this or that should even be in the marketplace. And really the consumer dictates that. So it's odd. You know, you wouldn't think something like the heart attack grill where you can eat like a, you know, 15 patty burger or whatever. It exists. People go there. It's a tourist attraction. It's going to be there. Do people die because of it? I'm certain they do. As much as people still do bullfighting. I got into a discussion with somebody the other day about, I said, hey, you know, you have a, you have a great dating profile. And, blah, 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 and I, yes, I do. Matter of fact, here, uh, where's my phone at? I will, I will read it live. We'll do it live. Um, I have no idea what it says. I wrote it a long time ago. Edit profile. Here it comes. I didn't listen to me snort and sniffle and and you get know, all the all the raw uh, sounds and everything else when you listen to Michael L. Craver presents. We don't hold back. Uh, what makes a relationship great is survey says. Strong individuals with supporting personalities, uh, necessities like affection and understanding last longer when a couple grows at a similar pace. Two truths and a lie. I have a podcast under Michael L. Craver Presents, former professional wrestler and or I have been under fire. Those are all true, by the way. The lie is that there's not a... A lie. Um, my bio. Let me see how long this is. Uh, write a fun and punchy intro. So I wrote father, writer, people leader, homeowner, and otherwise masterful in every room of the house. Uh, I'm seeking someone who pushes me to be a better individual, and I do the same for them. Together, we're better. You can message me anytime. I don't see anything else that's handwritten in here. That's that's one of the profiles that I have. Um, if I look at a different one, let's see. Green flags I look for. Accountability is a key. Being reasonable or having good cause to take risks. 
being healthy with the opportunity to ask extra questions and have clear communication, a great sense of humor, and the ability to be silly. Those are green flags I look for. Two truths and a lie. Graduated at the top of my class. Former professional wrestler and my show streams on every audio app. Again, those are all true. I graduated at the top of my law enforcement class. Uh, the key to my heart is, my answer, following through. Communicate well, pour your heart out, and be yourself. We all falter, but sharing leads to caring. Do everything you can. Back up your partner and live happy. Make an effort both of us will be proud of. That's interesting, right? Um, I think that's all that's on that one. And maybe there's a third one. <laughs> Profile. This one says, describe yourself. People leader, volunteer, homeowner, writer, podcaster, father, and the answer. Ooh, that's sexy. Master of every room in the house. Dot, dot, dot. Great career. Clear-headed and still free-spirited. If you don't know, we'll find out together. Being a role model is important. Delivering the best quality is non-negotiable. Evenings by the grill or fire pit reflecting on serenity. My writing is on mlcraver.com. Stream everywhere. <clears throat> Search ML Craver or Michael L. Craver Presents and ask me anything. Dishonesty is not welcome here. Bam! Think about that. That's my little window out into the world about you know someone who might be interested in me. I think it's important to be responsible with what you say. And uh, I think many of those qualities, as this the Ultimate Warrior talks about in his rights versus responsibilities kind of thing, or rights with or without responsibilities, as he's talking about the things that are legitimate versus the things that he thinks are illegitimate, people being a, a homeless person or a bum or, you know, otherwise are not as legitimate as someone who is in the business community and, and earning their way and being sort of a social paver and cornerstone. I completely agree. What, what would be your argument from an engineering perspective that a random item in the house is as legitimate or as important as the cornerstone or the foundation of the house? That don't make no sense. Obviously, you don't know anything about physics. And this is there is a drastic... That's a Dr. Pepper bottle. There is a drastic, um, <coughs> excuse me, range when it comes to people who just do not uh, either comprehend or have any interest in the upper level classes that have to do with these sciences and, and ideas and practices. The you know, the classic kind of anthropological dance theory, you know, ethnic studies, all that kind of stuff. It's wonderful that people go into these hobby kind of things, but where's the money to be made in that? Well, you're not driving industry, and you're certainly not driving progress by, not that I know of. It's, if you were doing anthropological studies and then turning that into some sort of forensic science where we can do biological 
you know, engineering or some kind of zoological studies. Different thing, right? You're studying the history of animals to be able to predict the future of animals or study cycles and it's going to help us with how we measure climate change versus what it's done to animals in the past. I mean, there's a lot of relationships you could try to form, but a lot of folks, they go into, you know, my mother wanted to be a concert pianist. She's a great piano player. She taught, she played at a lot of weddings. She has a lot of skills. Just ask Hunter. But the thing is that... Some of those things are, they're not guaranteed. They're a long shot. And the risk versus reward is very different. And so that's why we have to look at it differently. You know, I'll give you a long shot. Here you go. The next thing written on the list. It says 12,000. Plus 6,000 equals no with a giant exclamation point behind it. As a favor to someone, if you listen to this podcast for long, you probably guess who. Uh, I did a, I did a foolish thing and decided that I would uh, try to pay it forward with uh, some kind of spirit credit or something and help someone with a situation. The credit cards were out of control. A lot of interest being added on, you know, every 30 days, whatever. And they said, here's what's going on in my life, my business. I'll pay you. All right. I'll tell you what. We'll we'll entertain this idea. And I was not as... uh, let's say free back then. And so uh, I made the move and and did what I I think everybody else in my life would have said, you big dummy. It had been been one of those red fox, red fox on the wall behind me, by the red fox. Fred Sanford, if you watch Sanford and Son. You big dummy. You big dummy. You big dummy. You big cold-blooded dummy. You big dummy, see what you did? Oh no, you big dummy. Oh no, you big dummy. You dummy! You big dummy. You a big, big dummy there. I'm not kidding you, you a big dummy. Dummy. Listen to a dummy. You dummy, you. You bigger dummy than my dummy. Get lost, dummy. Look here, you big dummy. I got a dummy for a son. You asleep? No, dummy. Okay, dummy. Before this game, you was just a plain dummy. But after the night, you'd be a broke dummy. Sold to the dummy with the black mustache. Well, what kind of life is it being the wife of an old man? What kind of life you think it is being the father of a young dummy? For every man, there's a woman. And for every dummy, there's a dummy. <laughs> See, it's Sanford and son now, but when I'm gone, the business will all be his alone. It'll be Dummy Incorporated. You are a big dummy! Who you calling a dummy, you big dummy? Where I come from, them is fighting oh, no, words. No, no, no. This dummy here wanted to punt him. And the reason why I'm here between you two dummies, trying to sell it to this dummy. 
What a way to spend my last days. Sitting between two dummies sucking on a titcher old pop. Hello, pop. Hello, Lamont, you big ugly dummy. One dummy ain't enough in this house. You gotta bring home super dummy. But if you and Rollo gonna be in the movie, I got the perfect name for it. Super dummies. Both of y'all are big dummies. There's something for you right here. Want it. Dummy, six thousand dollars a year. What's going on here? What you think is going on is the bank robbery, dummy. Won't be long before we'll hear the pitter-patter of tiny dummies around the house. Hey, Pop, there's something wrong with you. I know. My only child is a dummy. Where are you going? Where do you think I'm going, dummy? Upstairs, where I have some prophecy. Yeah, I'm worthless, penniless, broke, busted, and... A dummy. And I can't wait to see you starring in your first movie. Yeah. Deep dummy. CDs. I'm donating 10 to the March of Dummies. Here's the door, dummy. Great. Uh, uh, Lamont, hand him my guitar over there. Give me his guitar, dummy. I'll spell it for you. D-U-M-M-Y, period. <laughs> dummy. Uh, P.S. again. Bye, dummy. The tall dummy standing before me, I leave to the Hollywood Wax Museum. <laughs> La-dee-dee, they la-dee-dum, is dummy. Just Donna and me, and the dummy makes three. Have you ever seen him act? I've been watching him act all his life, <laughs> like a dummy. I mean, I didn't know you were interested in gardening. Why not? Well, up to now, the only thing you've grown is dumber and dumber. Hey, Shut up, dummy. Pop. Shut up, dummy. You know, for a dummy, you make a lot of sense. For dummy, you catch your own fast. Yeah. I'm proud of you, dummy. Up until the time that I was six years old, I thought my name was Dummy Sanford. I hope I didn't mean nothing by it. Well, if you didn't mean nothing by it, then why'd you say it, dummy? <laughs> Be my luck to spend my last days on earth with a dumb dummy. <laughs> Listen, dummy, didn't you hear me call you a dummy? You didn't dumb to know how to get mad when I call you a dummy. <laughs> dummy. And that's another thing that I'm getting tired of. You calling me a dummy. But the only reason I call you a dummy is because I call them as I see them. <laughs> you big dummy. Everybody in my life would have told me the same thing. I somewhat said the same thing and said, you know what? No, this will be a challenge. It was fucking stupid is what it was. But I loaned someone money that I... Knew that they probably couldn't pay back, but the monthly thing that I agreed to him with was so small, I said, eh, we'll figure it out. Oh, it wasn't three months later. Same person came to me. Couldn't make the monthly $150. I'm not shy here. It was 12000 that I paid off between some different accounts for them. And uh, wanted to know if I would co-sign for them to get another six thousand, and I said, "Are you paying me the six thousand? Because that would be nice. You just go ahead and pay it off in half." No, no, I got this other thing, and I said, "You're not even paying me. Why would I sign on for you to take out debt with somebody else? That's a conflict of interest. I'm a business kind of guy. That's creating a conflict in my marketplace. That is." It is the definition of conflict of interest. I need the money that you're not already paying to me. 
and then you are going to take out a loan where you'll have to divide your money between me and somebody else. I don't want to share the marketplace. I should already get my money. You've already benefited from what I've done from you. you. Pay back those people first, just like you learn in every restaurant and everywhere else. F-I-F-O. First in, first out. You pay off the old before you take out new. It's relatively simple, but you know, nope. So I'll have a little bit of pineapple rum for that one. Anyway, <coughs> I've been given that proposition several different ways over the last month. No, no, what about the down payment? What about it? No! What's wrong with you? This is a change I had to make in 2023. I just can't. Oh, I might want to date somebody. I might want to be taken seriously. How's that going to happen? You're sitting down with somebody you want to pursue something with. Well, what's your situation like, Michael? Well, you know, I own my home. I got some land to build a house on. I got a good career. I'm not very good with my money. What? Wait, what? Well, I I am, except for, you know, sometimes people hit me up and I got a soft spot. You got to protect that soft spot. You put a helmet on. Don't be beating your head on the wall. What else we got on this list? We're going to skip over this one. I'll, I'll read anything that's on the list, just so you know what I'm skipping over. It says, Tube Bar, Howard Stern, and Tradio. Essentially, it was me sharing that I listened to a lot of things that are I consider to be quite hilarious, but they play on the public airwaves and on people's good nature. That They have these prank calls they've, they've placed to all these places, and, and like the Jerky Boys or whatever else. I didn't put the jerky boys in. I love those those kinds of interesting things. Uh, it's better when the audience is in on it and everybody laughs at the end. But they don't really do that with these. They're they're more of a bad nature. And I don't. I was just sharing them if you want some entertainment. But uh, I can't say that they're the most wonderful social experiment. The next thing on the list. A culture of accountability. And that's really going back to the to the loan thing that I mentioned just 90 seconds ago. It's that I like where I work. I like who works for me, etc. We have a sense of pride. We have established a culture of accountability. This is yours. You own it. Show it off. You get all the rewards that go along with it. Nobody's going to steal your, your loot, your booty, so to speak. You know, there's not going to be some credit pirate that comes around going, Arr! and he's, you know, I'm going to, I'm the boss. Look what I did. No, your workers did that, you jackass. You know, that's it's not going to be like that. I, I love giving the people who deserve the credit um, direct access to the people who are given recognition or the money that comes along with it, whatever the reward is. That, to me, is is a vital piece of building a culture, not only of accountability, but of acceleration because people who do well should be able to accelerate. It's like having the fast lane. Some people just want to go fast and they believe if you're not first, you last. So the last thing on this page says, cause yeah. Okay. And I, I, cause I covered my uncle or my dad's cousin. Um, and the thing I have, the way I have it written is that he, it's, it's he versus his, Father, I'm not going to go into a lot of that, but some people don't get along with their fathers sometimes in, in their life. It's happened to me a couple of times. And uh, we either make peace with it or 
we uh, always love the person, and we have to do it from, let's say, uh, a distance and, and behind sort of a, a veil of uh, this unbreakable love, but this uh, unforgettable anger. And you can have both. You can love somebody to death and still despise certain things about them. It happens. So we'll take a little break here and you'll catch my other notes that I the way I woke up out of bed this morning. This is this is what gets this podcast off the ground. It's probably what you're gonna want to hear. The mouthwatering Big Mac with a savory filio fish and a tasty McChicken. My goodness, that looks good. You're making a McDonald's menu hat. Yes, a land, air, and sea. Oh, it's going to tip over. No, it's good. It's good. Very stable. Order the land, air, and sea by name, build it by hand, and hack the McDonald's menu. I'm surprised at how attracted I am to it. So, I always love Brian Cox as the, uh, the narrator of the McDonald's commercial. If you don't know him... He's in a great many things. He's a character in Braveheart. He's in one of my favorites, which is uh, of, of any Steven Seagal movie anyway. He plays uh, this CIA director in The Glimmer Man. But um, he's the father in Spike Lee's The 25th Hour, which I think is a, a movie that many people have ne- not ever even considered watching in any way, shape, or form. So uh, I always enjoy his not only his voice... Um, but um, he's quite the sort of delivery man. And I think that's why, you know, big companies have chosen him for narration and voiceovers. But um, the 25th hour has this sort of come to Jesus kind of moment. If you've never watched the movie, you, you should. Um, I'm not going to spoil because I like people to go experience it for themselves. But there's a moment towards the end. He's a bar-owning father, and his son is in some trouble, and he has this long conversation with him and lays out this, you know, what what is and what could be kind of thing. It's interesting. Um, Coke with coffee. We blended Coke with rich coffee for one very good reason. Your afternoon pick-me-up routine needed it. Simple as that. Coke with coffee. It's um, different to, to sit back here and, and kind of be able to think about going through the motions or, or sharing like I'm getting ready to. Um, let's see. How do I want to approach this? So, it's one of those things where I just woke up and I said, this will be called the... I said this will be called the the polygraph coma. Like the polygraph coma? What the fuck? It's where I said the, the polygraph machine will just go into a coma. It's not going to move. There's no bullshit. There's, there's only um, a mess here that you're going to have to absorb. It's uh, it's like a bed sheet after a, a wonderful night, right? Um, I am. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of a social scientist when it comes to how I approach people and things. I say a lot of things that 
I think are going to have this very wonderful reaction where it's going to lead to someone being exuberant or happy, big smiles. You know, they're just going to take the words um, into their pores and the ears and, you know, their mind. And that's going to lead them to this kind of like aha kind of, wow, that was a surprise or whatever kind of moment. I'm going to open the window. If you hear noises in the background, you want to know, it's me. Uh, I've got this uh, champagne uh, Perdoma cigar, 10th anniversary. I'm getting ready to light the hell out of it. But um, actually, I might light it this new way that I've found to light cigars, which uh, I have a, an inclination. I have a thought that it might be very unhealthy. Um, I light the candle that I keep on my desk. And then to save, uh, you know, in matches or fuel or lighter fluid, whatever. Um, I light the cigar right off the wick in the candle while it's burning. Don't know if that's healthy or not. Doesn't sound healthy. But um, the thing of it is that being this social scientist kind of person i just i want people to be happy i mean now don't get me wrong there are times when people have and i think i've described this in the past i've run into situations where i am invested in something full blast and so when you tell me something is not possible but we have already agreed to something or whatever and you kind of like you're throwing up this dead end sign or slamming on the brakes you're causing like us to kind of have a a collision. It's it's an auto wreck. You and I, or whatever arrangement I have with who, who the, you know, whatever this person is. We had goals, trying to get somewhere. I thought there was an agreement, whatever it might be. And now, they have pulled back on it. And I look at that almost like, you know, I'm going into an intersection. And I was slowing down for the stoplight. And they slam on me. Uh, from behind, they hit my bumper, they knocked me into the intersection, they ruined my car, there's an auto accident, it's going to cost me just all of this nonsense work to be able to fix their situation because they they're doing something unexpected to me. So now I have to take like 10 steps and reevaluate the whole situation. I have to reevaluate whether we are able to proceed in any way, shape, or form, whether there's anything I can do to get it back on track. People change their minds, and there's all kinds of things that happen. Accidents happen. But often, I look at these situations as a social scientist, uh, and I look at it and I say, well, that's, that was on purpose. That someone has the ability to choose something different or better or otherwise and they're not and they're doing it to the you would say the willful discomfort of the other person you don't want to be uncomfortable you don't want to fight with them but they're not leaving you a whole lot of choice to be happy or fulfilled because at the end of the day what you were just talking about, whatever was going on, or supposed to be going on, et cetera, et cetera, uh, is out the window. They've changed the plan on you. 
And so now you've got to make adjustments. I uh, don't like that. I'm willing to go in another direction. So much so that I'm going to cut ties and whatever I say to you might be with a different kind of mindset. So you've done something I don't like. I've done something you don't like. Whatever, however we arrived at this situation. But when it becomes clear that our resources are going to just, you know, it's kind of like having a car that's crashed with a full tank of gas. What, were you gonna, what, what happens to the gas? Well, I'm going to blow it up. That's what's going to happen. That's what I'm going to do. You know, and, and I don't know why I'm like that. It's human nature, maybe. But I'm going to sabotage, you know, whatever you thought was about to happen here, where you're going to make, a, you know, a clean getaway, and I'm going to say, no. Culture of accountability. I'm going to say what I need to say so that you know what's changed about your decision and how it affects other people. Especially if you don't have good intentions or there's something going on that you just, you're in a, a bad way and you have abused the resources, the trust, or otherwise of others. Especially, especially if I feel like you've done it from the beginning and this is now like a revelation in what was always your plan. And I'm like, aha, you always wanted my money. Oh, well, that sucks, big balls. Right? Why didn't you say it was always all about the money? Well, because... Mm-hmm. What's that sign say above that door over there? Dishonesty is not welcome here. Dash Michael L. Craver is a quote by this interesting podcasting kind of guy. And that's what I run into. And, and the social scientist in me wants to make a lot of progress. There's a lot of times I've tried to talk people... Um, into uh, weighing out their options in a lot of areas where you could make a lot of changes with a simple decision. And people tell you about this, right? You go see a dietitian, they're going to tell you to change your diet, or a workout guy is going to tell you that working out would... But really having structure, having a routine in your life is what changes everything. There's a lot of people who eat really, really awful things, and yet, from a dietary perspective... And yet they live a very happy and healthy life. And it don't make no sense to you, does it? But some people are happy. That way they live that evil can evil kind of existence. But when you find people who are not being themselves and they're deceiving other people, they're being a con artist, that's very different. And I feel a responsibility. And you hear a lot of those stories on here where I've run across people and I've said some funny or unsavory things to them um, that I just I'm not willing to let the opportunity go to use that creative outlet that I have in my mind and say here is something that was disingenuous and so we're going to put it into all of these principles that we talk about I've got a podcast, I've got a way of life that's all about being accountable and yet, 
I find myself in this situation. And as we say at work, what are you going to do about it? And so I do something about it. I say something. Sometimes I have to do something. But I had written down somebody was, I don't remember what the argument or whatever situation was, but I wrote down how I believe that, I said these are the cornerstones that any house should be built on. And I meant that in terms of your philosophical house, like where you are spiritually and how you treat the world, et cetera, et cetera that these are the cornerstones that everybody should have for how they operate and how they treat each other. And those are plausibility, sincerity, dignity, and respect. And I said that thinking how you can't respect someone without dignity. I don't see how you can have plausibility without dignity, right? You got to have something that's real and something that you feel, and there's got to be respect and plausibility. I mean, you could disrespect someone and it still be realistic, but I think that putting that um, odd ingredient of, of dignity into it means that you can't have dignity and disrespect somebody and have plausibility, right? Sincerity is a different thing. That's that's good, you know, good nature of going forward and. And it's outgoing. Respect being between two people. Sincerity being what you mean to them. Dignity being what you think of yourself. And plausibility being how real it is in the ether out there. Not something I heard somewhere. It was just something I, I thought about. And I said, you know, these are, these are interesting cornerstones. And being a person who wants to have a good relationship with other people, even if they do something wrong to me, If it's unintentional, then we can we can look at that and we can try to fix that. But when I think people have done these odd things, ill-intentioned, it goes back to that karma thing I was talking about earlier. You know, you run around and you hit your head or whatever it might be. You financial peril, chaos. I guess the universe is telling you something. Um, it just is. You know, I, one of the other notes I have written here is that you would want to have what I consider a comparable companion. And that's like a whole episode by itself, but I'll dive into it just a little bit to say that I look at it in terms of being able to move at the same speed as another person. I'm going to set these goals for the next six months or two years or otherwise, and I may end up in this other geographical location. I may have this other schedule. I may end up with all these other commitments. Am I still going to have time for you or the relationship or whatever we are today? Am I still going to be able to use this land to grow a garden if I'm planning on planting a bunch of trees here over the next two years? Well, you can't have both. And that's kind of the thing that I'm, I'm looking for is a, a comparable companion being someone <coughs> that you, excuse me, comparable companion being someone that you, can respect and, you know, their feedback is important to you, that you take them seriously enough and wherever they are intellectually, whatever they might have in relationship to your world, that they have a fundamental, if not a very involved understanding of who you are and where you want to go so that when you ask them or you're having a conversation with them, 
that there's either an answer or some kind of just friendly dialogue that they're able to give you objective and and very informed um, opinions because that to me is extremely important. I, it's great to date someone who, you know, their pictures just really do it for you. And, you know, I don't know, Michael, he's got blue eyes and he's handsome and I listen to his podcast, and, right? But what do you bring to the table, right? And I'm not saying you have to have handsome and blue eyes and big shoulders on a podcast, but what I'm wanting to know is how are you going to stimulate me? And if it's with, you know, reproductive organs, that's pretty shallow pool of resources. I love to find someone who has their own projects. They're into these things. They have things that will occupy their time. Because it gives me time to go do things. Like I need to go hang a ceiling fan for somebody. I've got... Uh, I bought... Uh, well, he knows now because it's been delivered. I bought this uh, wonderful gift for my father for Father's Day. Where we were putting out the Memorial Day flags... In the, in the cemetery and uh, I said to him uh, excuse me I said to him hey a lot of these gravestones look kind of jacked up like somebody should clean them he was telling me how you know you can't just clean them with a pressure washer or this that the other it's gotta be a it's called it's like the Mighty Ducks D slash 2 it's D2 biological cleaner and it, it will go in there and, and sort of pull out and kill out all of these sort of pollens and other things that are unsavory ingredients, elements, that get onto and, and into a gravestone. And so, like degreaser does to asphalt, I don't know how any of you are familiar with this, Google it, YouTube it. But when I worked in a restaurant years ago, there were people who had degreaser who would clean their parking lots. They'd go up there and they'd spray it with degreaser and go back in 20 minutes or 10 minutes or an hour. And they try to scrub that fucking degreaser out that parking lot. Well, that's not the most intelligent use or the best results that you can get out of that degreaser. The best results you can get are to follow the manufacturer's guidelines and and what they recommend because they've studied it and they're telling you how to get the most out of your product. They want you to be happy. I would go out there on a day where it wasn't going to rain for a couple of days, preferably very hot, spray degreaser before the sun got, you know, too high. And you spray it on these places in the asphalt because there's stains in it. And it's the same process of getting a stain out of a mattress. I'll go through that in a second. So you spray the degreaser on the asphalt. You let it bake in the sun for several days. And then when it gets into contact with water, it will pull it up and wash it right out. Not sometimes totally, but often not. And uh, so I would do that, and we had a very good-looking parking lot, and it was you know, it was a much lazier way to do it. You spray it on there, and you just wait. That's what happens with this biological cleaner. You spray it on a gravestone, and over the course of, you know, not only uh, the, the day, but if you let it spray it on there where it's not going to rain for a few days, and let it really, like, bake in, then when a rain does come, it'll just wash the stones almost... You know, as, as as good as they could be. And, and it'll continue to do that over the course of time. And uh, people don't understand that kind of stuff a lot of times. They, they, they don't understand that if you soak dishes, they'll wash and the grit and grime and everything will come off so much easier. It's the reason restaurants use three comp sinks. 
restaurants have a, a you know, where I was from, they had a five-step process. So it's scrape, wash, rinse, sanitize, air dry. And so you you would scrape the dishes and then throw them in that three-comp sink, which would roll them around with jets and rolling around with chemicals and stuff for however long. And then you would basically pull them right out of there. They'd be clean because they've been rolling around in that um, jet kind of, you know, it's an active open dishwasher is what it is. And you rinse them, you sanitize them, and then you air dry them. Well, same kind of thing applies to all of this. It's the same principle. When you're getting a stain out of a mattress, it's the same thing. Um, have a stain on a mattress. Get some. I use shout, but you can use ammonia. You can use a chemical of similar composition. And you, I used a, a four... Uh, quart measuring cup and so I took and poured some shouting water in there because I dilute almost everything and then I took a little hand towel soaked some up dabbed it on the spot on the mattress it was a pretty big spot and then um, took a, a raw uh, or dry separate towel and I would dab it here and then I would rub the towel over it and it just it pulls everything out of the mattress it loosens it up so that the towel can then absorb it if you ever watch there's a lot of truth in this if you ever if you ever watch the movie or you've ever read the book the cat in the hat it's the same thing you're taking the mess out of the mattress with the chemical and then putting it into the towel and then you wash it in the machine and it goes away it's amazing what Dr. Seuss might teach you same principle applies for the degreaser you're going to put on the chemical, you're going to let it do its thing, and then the water's going to wash it away somewhere else. Same thing with the gravestone. You apply the stuff, heat, water, washes away. It goes back into nature. It's the same thing that happens in every other form of nature. Stuff gets into the river, it goes in the ocean, it evaporates, it goes up in the air, it comes back down its form, precipitation, and it rolls and rolls around again. Lithification with rocks. Things become deeper and deeper into the earth they break down they become magma they come back out of the volcano and then ash and then lava and then they settle and become rock and they erode and then they go back into the earth and back again hey that sounds like when i eat a hamburger it does doesn't it you eat the hamburger and in one end out the other end turns into something you use water to Irrigate the crops or the fertilizer, you can, right? Compost and yeah. Then you grow more food with it and you eat it again. Sometimes it has more stops. The food becomes grain and then the grain gets fed to the animal and then you kill the animal and then you eat it and shit it out and it comes with compost and it happens again. This ain't complicated. We learn about all this stuff for free and with public education. All you gotta do is show up and listen. Absorb the information. But I look at it, and I think so many people don't get these fundamental things. They don't understand how money works. Money is the same way. You make this money, and then you pay these things off, and then you turn, and then you turn around, and you got equity, and then you can. That's right. Well, I know how TikTok works. I sign in, and then I do this, and then I click on that, and you get nothing out of it. You take that as as theoretical information. It's like having a book, but you got to put it into practice. And the practice will look just like the other processes I've just talked to you about. That's where it is. I, you know, I want people 
to be happy. But comparable companion to me is like those fundamental things I run into too often that people just, they don't see, that they don't, and I'm not saying this to be ugly, but they don't bring very much to the table. They, um, they look at, you know, well, I've got a smartphone so I can have a dating profile and I can talk to people. You can, but what are you going to do with them, right? You're going to be a good partner. You're going to run a good household. Do you know how to clean this? Do this handyman. What happens if you have this issue with your plumbing or the yard or whatever? I really call somebody. And I, right, but then everything costs you money. The more you know, the more that you can do for yourself, the more you get to keep. That's the whole point of owning your own business and not sharing the overhead or paying somebody else royalties or perpetuities or whatever else. You keep more of it in-house. That's why people own their own businesses instead of going to work for somebody else because they get to keep more of the rewards. Is there a lot of risk? Of course there is. I don't know why folks don't understand these, these fundamental things. And if they do, it certainly comes across like they don't have the ingenuity to practice it. I know what's safe. I just don't want to wear a seatbelt. Okay. What else is on this list? It says <laughs> the fellatio ratio. It really, there's a lot to go along with. I, I wrote that in a funny way because it talks about, you know, uh, this oral hurricane that men and women give to each other. But you really run into a situation in life where I say the, the, it's the fellatio ratio. What Symbolically what that means is your ability to have physiological experiences with the other person. If it's horse playing and laughing and dancing in the kitchen or, you know, having a king of the mountain match on the bed, um, that's fine. But you got to have that in terms of the, the diversity of the relationship and, the, you know, even when you get older and the recreational or like procreational part of it um, with your reproductive organs is not may, maybe the same and that falls off Do you still have that kind of way to stimulate each other, whether it was mentally or romantically, if it's with words, you know, your five love languages or whatever. That's very, very important. I do not look at it like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll be able to travel to the Bahamas and fight the whole way. Hell with that, you know. I just, you know. Unavoidably engaging. Well, it, it, I wear two different shoes. If I haven't covered this before, I'm. A, if I have, yes, I'm going to cover it again. If I haven't, um, I, I often wear two different shoes. Probably a vast majority of the time. It's very rare I don't. Sandals maybe is, is an exception. But I went on eBay. I found shoes that were at a lower price for buy it now. I often hit clicked accepts offers because I don't want to pay that price if I can get below it. And I would offer people uh, $15, $17, you know, $12 for a pair of shoes. People took me up on some different ones. And I quickly built a shoe collection, which includes some red, some green, some neon, some orange, yellow. Some have stripes and designs, and some don't. And and I'll wear them um, left and right or from two different pairs. Now they've become a new pair. And the opposites attract. And they do. They, they attract conversation. It's unavoidably engaging. People will just... Hey, did you get dressed in the dark? You know, it's nobody comes up with anything that I haven't heard anymore. I'll, I'll look for some new ones and I'll share them with you if I hear them. But 
it makes you talk to people. And every now and then I run across people who are, I like that, man. Makes people think. My kids do that. Blah, 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 blah. Matter of fact, one of the guys that works for me was telling me his kids came to visit him at work, saw my shoes, and now he wants to do it. And I said, go for it. I don't expect any credit. I've said this many times on this podcast. If you do something from what I say here, and you run off and make a million dollars, send me one of the t-shirts that you make or whatever. If it was monumental enough, we might talk about how, you know, I should have some finder's fee intellectual property kind of dollars, but I don't put together the podcast for anything more than reflecting about what I was thinking in these notes and then clearing them up and out of my head for the most part. Some things I just want to share because I think they'd be entertaining to you. The next one is not one of them. It's written down as mom dash Degeneration X. I may not get into it much, but um, it seems that either through what has been prescribed or otherwise, there are different situations we run into with loved ones in life that you can see a big change in people right away. Sometimes it's physically, right? They have the, a weight loss surgery, stomach stable, whatever they do, and that's a change. Girls that go out and have this something augmented or, you know, injected or whatever it is, that's a big change. And there's sometimes that you're talking to someone and you go, whoa, is everything all right? And they're because they're profoundly sad. Sometimes they're stuttering. Sometimes they got a lip. But you notice. And uh, there are some different causes for concern in my world. But... I'm trying to look at it on a long-term timeline because it looked like there had been some declination or some... It looked like there had been a situation where somebody that was close to me is... um, suffering the effects of whatever it is. If it's genetics, if it's got something to do with pharmaceuticals or a surgical procedure or whatever it is. And I'm trying to see whether that is uh, temporary and everything bounces back, or if it's going to be, you know, that's going to be the new normal. And it's important to notice those things and and to make your own adjustments um, when you see the different people in the story of your life who are, you know, maybe they're not in such a a good situation and they, they need a little more of your time or attention or maybe they need a little less. You need to give them some space. A lot of that that goes on. You want them to be happy. I think that's where the it's, it's where those four things came from. It's where the dignity comes from. I want people to be able to have their dignity and respect them, but I also want the plausibility part of it. Where hey, sometimes you need to to step in, step up, and and take the reins away from somebody. It happens all kinds of different ways. This says. Am I sincere? So this is this is back towards the here's the that said the polygraph coma where I would just tell the, the the things that I probably think would not matter as much to people. Oh, that's in the past. It is, but maybe you'd like to consider it. 
I used to play soccer in the fall, basketball in the winter, soccer in the spring, baseball in the summer, wrestled in high school. I've done a whole lot of different things. I was always physically active. You know, I grew up with um, very, very fortunate that, you know, some people in the family had different trades, and so it made it easier to build a house for cheaper because people who were in the network or the family or whatever could trade services or donate services or whatever. That makes it easier, right? It's kind of like your own family's Habitat for Humanity kind of thing. We're doing it for the to prop up the next loved one. I think that's really important. You know, you go you after a funeral, you go feed somebody and you try to spiritually bring them back and and have um, compassion and grace for them. Same thing is true when you're building a home as when you're suffering a tragedy. You need to be able to, you know, use all of your resources to to do everything you can for somebody. It's one of the reasons I do this stuff with my time that I'm single that I don't date people as as much as I probably could or would. I love being able to sit down and have these conversations with myself and do the podcast and, and clear the air about all these things. I love what I do for work and the guys that I work with. And I also like when I donate my time or when I write something for somebody that has been a very good, um, return on investment for me. I really like what I do with words. Other people seem to like what I do with words. If they didn't, that's fine too. I'd still write and not share it with anybody, but because people have asked me, I share it. It's not designed for anything more than that. It's so you can you can enjoy it too. Um, but the am I sincere part of that is, yes, I, I sincerely want people to be happier and, and succeed. And I, I give them genuinely good advice when people have asked me for money that I can't give them or space and, and things like that. I tell them, I'm a father. I worry. I'm, I'm going to try to check on you. I might call you too many times. I might text you. And until I get an answer, there's a very competitive side of me that's like, you don't want to give up an answer or, or um, you don't want to necessarily be disturbed. And my anxiety or Asperger's or whatever it is, is not going to let me just sit here in, in mystery. So as Colm Fior is a wonderful Canadian actor and he plays the part of Andre Linoge. Linoge, L-I-N-O-G-E. It turns out as an anagram. It's it's respelling of the word legion in a movie called Stephen King's Storm of the Century. It was written for ABC. I think King had it years ago, and then ABC asked him to write a movie, and he pulled this one out of the vault and finished it. The premise of the story is that this is an evil spirit who's um, he's on an island and he's he's trying to get them to come to a realization. It's like a message from the darker side of the spiritual universe. And somebody realizes that his name, L-I-N-O-G-E, is, if you re-spell it, it's Legion. And the story in the Bible is that Jesus... He's walking among the tombs. He's in the town of, um, if I'm, I'm going to hope I get this right, Gestalamanes, that there's a man who is possessed. This happens in the new Pope's Exorcist movie. If you've watched with Russell Crowe, you should watch it. It's, it's interesting. Um, that, as the biblical story goes, 
the man is it's filled with the spirit. He can't be contained. He can't be bound, even with chains. So Jesus encounters this man who's walking among the tombs, the dead, the otherwise, and this evil spirit. And he encounters him. And what he does to uh, resolve the situation, Jesus casts out the spirit. He exercises, or he's an exorcist in this story. And he changes where the spirit is. And this is in a lot of movies. It's in Fallen with Denzel Washington. It's something that's in, uh, I think, Jason Goes to Hell. It's in a bunch of different movies where you take and there's a something that's possessed and it goes from one person or one thing to another. Might be an insidious. So you've, you've probably seen it somewhere, but the, the biblical story is that Jesus casts out the spirit from this man into a herd of pigs. Pigs run into the ocean, they drown themselves. Spirit's gone. Evil is gone. And the way the story goes is that Jesus casts out the spirit into the pigs. But before they drown themselves, he asks the name of the spirit. And the spirit says, Our name is Legion, for we are many. There's a movie called Legion. Uh, I've I'm, I'm not watched it. I think I've downloaded it, but I've never watched it. But I think about that, and I think about Linoge, because in the movie, uh, in Stephen King's Storm of the Century, the, the phrase that the evil man, that Linoge, that Legion is repeating over and over, and, uh, and that he's sort of tormenting them with, is he says, give me what I want, and I'll go away. That's it? Yep, should do. Let's, uh... Not even with chains. And Jesus cast out the demons into a herd of pigs that ran into the ocean and drowned themselves. But before Jesus cast the demons out, he asked their names. And the, um, the thing inside said, our name is Legion. about that when I'm being 
tested with my anxiety or Asperger's, whatever it is, um, that I can be quite overbearing when it comes to, hey, how are we going to resolve this situation? Hey, text me back. Are you doing okay? Are you all right? You, anything I can do? People speak to me and I just, you know, I can disappear. Or you can put me into action. I'm happy to do anything for you. It's my motivated, compassionate side. But sitting there in silence or turning my back on you, I would consider quitting. I would consider walking away. Twelve days from today will be 25 years since I started work. and I've never missed a day, never called out. I cannot think of a scenario. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I can think of a scenario, but I cannot see it plausibly coming to fruition that I would miss work. I'll just be there. And then if they have to send me home, they send me home. But I'm going to show up. And I, I hate to be that way sometimes, but I also think that I would hope that other people appreciate that you're not willing to turn their back on them. And the beauty of my flexibility is if you'll just say you need space or whatever else, I work with that. What's the game plan? What do you need? What can I do for you? But if you don't answer, I consider that to be quite disrespectful and you're not acknowledging people and, and there's a whole different flavor of that. I, I consider that sort of a, a violation of the four pillars, the four cornerstones, which is you know one of them being respect. And that makes it difficult for me because I've, I've probably soured some relationships with people every now and then because they're like I'm you know they they don't respond and then you wonder why they don't respond and then you have this and that the other discussion and it becomes this kind of ugly situation where they're like no no I you didn't communicate that to me and all I'm asking is for you to treat me maturely acknowledge me be courteous speak when you're spoken to right kind of thing and, and then we we proceed accordingly and if it's what you need is space or silence or you want to sever this relationship or whatever it might be i will respect any of those things but not knowing why would i do anything different why would i well they're not speaking to you maybe they can't speak to me maybe they're in trouble i don't know that be kind of foolish to take things for granted wouldn't it so I'm a, I ask a lot of questions, and I'm quite sincere about a lot of those things. And that's that question, am I sincere? There's folks that this lady asked me, or she said to me um, a while ago, she said, oh, yeah, I think you copy and pasted what you sent to me. I don't. I voice to text everything, so it's not even possible to copy and paste it. But I had said something about, you know, they, the person looks a certain way. I will describe what sort of energy their eyes and the indicators, and the symptoms, as a doctor would call it, right? If you're diagnosing something. But I see someone who has vibrant eyes or they're, they're beautiful or they're confident or otherwise. You, you can mention that to them. You can rile off um, and just kind of catalog these different qualities you see in the photographs or what you see in a dating profile or what qualities you see of their work or they're a server. And you're like, hey, you know, you're really diligent. You pay attention to all the table. You're saying things that you genuinely mean. You're sincerely saying to them from person to person. They might be applicable to other people. You probably could have said that and then just copied it and sent it to the appropriate person that it you know, belongs to. As much as a doctor can give you a prescription that he gave to somebody else because they have the same symptoms. But I genuinely mean what I say to each individual person. Am I... Um, let's say intensely attracted to each and every person I say that to. That's different. Very different. And 
sometimes I'm trying to see if there's something I don't notice. There's a lot of folks I've said hello to because you acknowledge everybody. And like I said, you know, I hate being left in silence. I acknowledge everybody. But it doesn't have legs. It's, it doesn't have a fourth dimensional kind of long-term promise or anything. Sometimes people surprise me, but it's rare. And the more that I keep, I'm a social scientist or I gather more and more and more data, you see what turns into what and you see patterns and you can kind of, you can keep being vulnerable and I try to be very vulnerable, but there's a, there really is sort of a, a lower and lower percentage of things that, um, are the anomalies that are the you know one in a million kind of things and then the next thing that i have written down is it says do i really care I, I wouldn't say it if i didn't think it was a good use of my time or i didn't think there was some possibility or hope for you know maybe the the surprise the the rare um situation it's the only way you know is to look and, and ask but i have written it on this line, do I really care? Slash, ask me. And those of you, if you're familiar, great. If you're not, but uh, I cannot remember where it came from. Even if you Googled it, it may not be the one I'm thinking of. But somewhere along the lines, the phrase, ask me, ask me, ask me if I care. <laughs> and, it's got it's something that's between me and the kids, and I've said it to people at work, and and otherwise it is this very fun kind of thing where it's like it's okay, it's not that important. Just you know, don't be anxious, don't get worried about it. Yes, I do care, but the, the ask me, ask me if I care. It's kind of a, a play on that. It's it's meant to be funny. Um, the next line says, greatest insults are never meant to harm. They're not. Even the thing that I said to Toby about, if you listen to the old podcast, the, the backstory is this guy was talking nonsense to me. He said this and that and the other. He said, I want to fight you and I live on this road in this state. And I said, I, that's not real. It's not a real road. And it was in a chat room with a bunch of people. I, my phone doesn't even bring up that road. And then other people were like, no, no, I looked it up. It's real. You're too scared to fight him. And I said, you know, this is a problem that my technology has that your technology doesn't have. Because I would love to be able to meet you and settle the score. But Toby, God damn it. It's not my fault. It's those, it's those people at Google. They've given me too many options. And so now I'll never be able to find where you are. I'm sorry. Because I changed my settings. I don't even know how to change them back. I would fight you. I would show up. We could throw down, brother. But my GPS has a certain kind of problem with it when it comes to people like you. Uh, and the problem is that my GPS doesn't go below the poverty line. And he, of course, it was this... Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Which I have since used in a variety of other ways. It was one of the classic lines that you can then apply to all of, uh, so many different situations, and it's fun. It was never meant to hurt anybody. He's not below the poverty line any fucking way. It was just a fun way of, of saying something. 
um, you're only as as uh, rich or as impoverished or whatever as you are, not only in your own mind, but um, how the other person truly thinks of you. And that may not have been plausible. It might not have been one of my four kind of pillars. But I don't consider that to be an act of dishonesty. It's a matter of people talking trash and, and, and being comical with each other, roasting each other, whatever that you would want to call that. It's nothing more or less than that. It's it's a moment between... It's it's something that happens on the playground. You ain't no good! You ain't gonna score that basket! And then they score, and they shut you up. It's just a way to... You know, put that mouth on somebody. Ric Flair used to talk a lot of trash. The Rock, you know, you name it. That's, those are the people I grew up with. But it, it, you know, it's a pretty clever line. It's a pretty rough line. If you sit there and dwell on it, and you really thought of yourself that way, I, I hope nobody does. Um, it says <laughs> this. This next section says, "Stupid." Any other day, but did you do something stupid, or is there a dislike for the description? Oh, okay. So if you were to call somebody slow or stupid, or you know, you have some descri- some uh, otherwise series of words that is to put them into a box where they are intellectually inferior, is the person on a different? wavelength from you would their SAT score be different would, are, is their functional knowledge different are they just not your level of being a trivial pursuit champion or you know maybe you could run into any kind of given bar or some, some place and you could win this bullshit knowledge contest how many moons are there around the third star of you know I don't care I knew a lot of that stuff in school. I haven't used any of it in a very long time. It's trivial information. But there's a lot of things where, you know, I just think of the Red Fox and the Sanford and Son. Ah, dummy. You know, people do things that are not the smartest thing. Hey, it could have been this way. Um, think about it next time. Because there often is a more proficient slash efficient way where, you know, you got one thing done, but we could have got two things done. So... Why don't we try it differently next time and get twice as much done? That's the way I look at it. And there are things that people do that are, that are short-sighted. They're not very well thought out. They're, uh, what would you call, impulsive, right? They just had, they had to do something. Bad idea is better than no idea. Sometimes it is. But you got to look at it and be able to say in the rearview mirror what you did was kind of foolish and it might be stupid. My mom always says, don't call, don't you call nobody a fool. It says, don't call people a fool in the Bible. So, I think there's a dislike for maybe the term, which is one thing. But if you don't acknowledge that you did something or were saying something that was just, you know, over the top, um, then you kind of take away that something can be silly or stupid or otherwise. And obviously, decisions that are bad exist. The description you use, whether you think the word is playful or harmful or otherwise, um, in, in ways you want it to emotionally reflect to, to whatever level uh, that they're going to feel the words that you say and go, oh, I don't want to feel like that again. I don't want to do that again. And so you, you give a kid a spanking. Not to give them bruises and, you know, have some kind of deformity on their 
hematoma on their ass for the rest of their life. Is that what your goal is? It's remember this. So you don't do that. Oh. Oh, you can do it with words. Yes, you can do it with words. It's not that complicated. If we, you know, if, you, if your sticks and stones may hurt me, but words, you know, well, I understand. Generic response slash AI. Um, somebody called me and they said, are you AI? I've heard that a couple of different times. Uh, I don't know why. Is this a real thing? Do people? Uh, maybe it is when you're talking to people. Maybe there are systems or, or something, chat bot or whatever these clever bot, these things out there that someone could be talking to. I've never seen it in the form of like an online or social media or dating profile or otherwise, but I, I suppose it could happen. Uh, however, if, if you leave voice messages or do these other things that really elevate the situation, and I highly recommend this. If you're a guy listening to this, a girl listening to this, you want to court the other person, you want to wow them just a little bit, it's the simplest thing. Hold down the microphone and speak your message out to them. It takes the same amount of time as the voice to text but it means a hell of a lot more. They can hear your sincerity, your voice. They can hear how sexy you are. All of these things are extra factors that you didn't have before, and you add that element because you have the sound of your voice and everything that you can do with it, the pauses, the enunciation, the clever sounds in the background, whether you um, have a way to, to do, I don't know, impressions or dialects, or you, know, you can interject humor in a way that it just... The potential of written humor versus audible humor is you'd be silly to think that uh, they're in any way, shape, or form on the same scope of appreciation. Um, symptoms and indicators. And I kind of went over that earlier, but you know, when you see folks who have, and I'll, I'll go through some negative ones perhaps, uh, or some disqualifiers as I call them. You have folks who have the tinted photos or the photoshopped or that you can see they filtered this and that and the other they're taking an angle from here there the other that's a good way to get dismissed be who you are and if you don't think that you look very flattering or you you know you want to increase whatever it is don't do it with a photo angle do something to change your appearance i don't mean photoshopping i mean take on a more physical job hit the circuit go to the gym go to be adventurous in the summertime. Get a tan if you think you're too pale, whatever it might be. My voice doesn't sound like this because I naturally sound like this. I do now, all the time. But I thought about it earlier and I was like, I sound like, I sound like such a jackass. Well, yeah. But I probably felt like my ideas were pretty naive in the beginning too. So I got a lot more information and I sort of refined my way of thinking and the way that I present things, especially written or otherwise. Why wouldn't I do that to evolve and have a what I would consider to be a more a warmer tone to your voice or whatever it is? Do it. Makes me feel better to, to know the other people feel better. It's an accommodation. It's a compromise I made. But it also has a risk versus reward and it's it's been good. People say they like this and that about voices. Do it for yourself. You have dating profiles. Say whatever it is. I got seven kids and they're all six months old. Ah! We know no way, baby. Let's start an orphanage. But if you have things that are deal breakers, I'm not saying you have to lead with those, but you gotta bring them out up front and say, "Look, you know, I want you to know I'm working on this and this and this, and and these are p 
pieces of the puzzle. This is part of my life, et cetera, et cetera. That goes a hell of a long way. We've talked about that before. I've worked in places that have heavy equipment. You, you Sometimes stuff, something gets damaged. It gets rocked. It gets damaged, knocked, scraped, cut, crashed, ruined, even. Tell somebody what happened. We'll move on. You leave that for somebody else to find. Consequences are very different. Who broke the lamp? Your only child broke the lamp. This ain't up for debate. We know who broke the lamp. It's the honesty part of it. It's being forthcoming. But first, you have to have the third coming. Um, moving at the appropriate speed slash safe. And then I have risk versus reward. And I think that's... And I'm going to wrap up probably with that. That's the last thing I've written. But it's it's one of those things where I look at the... What I want out of a situation... Give me what I want, and I'll go away. Right? What I'm looking for is where you have chemistry, and you seem to be hitting it off. Fucking take chances. Have a telephone conversation. Get on somewhere that has a free video feature. If it's Facebook Messenger or Skype or a lot of the dating profiles, otherwise have it. Network with people. How are you doing? Leave a voice message. Do it while you're riding or driving or otherwise, and, and let it be your little. Therapy, or so to speak. They can listen to it while they're in the same situation. You know, exchange messages and then listen while you're driving or you know, washing the dishes or whatever it might be. There's plenty of times in our life that our hands are tied up but our ears are not utilizing them. I consider that to be very simple. You know, I've offered the world to people that I've tried to court or, or otherwise... And they don't know what I. I don't want to disparage any terms. But let's say they they did not choose what I would have considered to be the, the much more favorable future of security and a good partner and and X Y Z. It was more no. You're not going to buy me this toy. I'm going to throw a tantrum. Things are going to be my way. And they're going to be this. They're going to be that. It's an uglier place when you're on your own and you're alone. That's how it is. I can't see how it would be more rewarding to do life completely on your terms versus what it would be. The, the, the reciprocal energy that you get from talking to someone else and exchanging ideas or being able to perhaps give and take, uh, whether it's compliments, whether it's listening, whether it's feedback, whether there's a physical interaction of, you know, your horse playing, you're wrestling against each other, you're playing basketball, you bowl together. You drink wine and paint, whatever it might be. Maybe you have a romantic relationship. The energy that you build together is twice as powerful. There's two people involved. You can't make a mathematical argument otherwise. I mean, it's, it's to me, and it is. It's fucking stupid. You just you're looking at it and you're saying, "Here is one person, and I'm more capable than than everybody else." Are you? You can't even make your ideas work without other people. All it really says is that you're a control freak. 
Now, whether you use the word insecure is, is a different thing, but they're not secure. Insecurity is a, is a personal feeling in and of yourself that you are not, you know, whatever, whatever, right? But the exterior, looking at it from the outside in, being objective, other people, you put it up for peer review or, you know, you, you let us look at it and come up with a kind of a, like a jury of 12, right? And look at it and go, hey, that's not secure. What they're doing is reckless. That's right. But they're very confident in it. Yeah, so was the guy who drove the car off the cliff at like 90 miles an hour thinking nothing was going to go wrong. But we can't hear his side of the story. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's one thing to feel confident versus insecure. It's another thing to just be without security. You may... I'm the best guy in the world! That's why... The results show, or, yeah, no, not so much. That's a very different thing. And I love that there are people out there who have this different way of, of looking at life, and they're very uh, happy with how they treat, you know, themselves. And, and it's it's very, you know, I'm going to be the one, and I'm working on me, and it's about me, or me and my kids, or me and my world, or but they, when you're not open to, to progress and you can't compromise and you can't incorporate what would be the best moves to evolve and expand and, and secure your future, it's, it's very short-sighted. Very short-sighted. You know, I there's all these indicators that other people have, right? They got a septum piercing here and their hair is a different color. Their body's like this. Their outfits are chosen for these things. They were chokers and enhancements and it's part of a costume. You have the wrestlers who are very like, wow, look at, just look at that guy. He's going to tear me to shreds. And then you got these other people who are like, oh, that's quite a character. It's two very different people. And they pose two very different sets of circumstances to your future where one of them could be a threat in one way and another one is a work in progress because that's a lot of puzzle pieces to try to figure out. What happened in your past? <laughs> no, no, this is just... Yeah. It's a way of telling me your GPS coordinates so we can figure out how to come and save you. Because something is uh, way off course. No, no, I meant to be all out here, all socially, you know, awkward and it it just the lack of self like awareness and and things in that world is just different and the the people that you speak to who have, they've they've done this or they're unhappy with that or they're they're going to, that's right I'm, I'm using better help I'm going to therapy I'm doing this I'm doing that I got this going for me great. I love it. Love it. Not everybody who's been creative has a traumatic, you know, misguided past. It's not universally true. But it's statistically going to be the most probable thing. There's a two... Very different outcomes, but I'm a math and science guy. Some 
are some things are just very difficult gambles and and chances to take. Sometimes you feel a certain way because you're like, oh my God, do you, do you see how far, how much progress could be made here? Yes, if you per- pick the person up who is, you know, this most, most vagabond, you know, vagrant kind of, they've lost their way, they're, they got a good heart, they're, you know, they got all the indicators that life has, they made some bad choices. Yes, you could, you know, mathematically speaking, this is the person you could take from the lowest point to the highest point. They would have the widest range of you being able to avert their previous destiny, to be able to give them hope or be part of what you could see as this drastic alteration of outcomes. Maybe, that's right. I'm... Thank God I came along. That little bird was on the side of the road, or there was a turtle, or you know, and I saved the day, and I did this. I did. I'm very happy that people have that homogenous kind of spirit. That they're all about being able to be the. They want to be the savior. Do it. But what I'm saying to you is, for you as an individual to be able to challenge yourself to reach the greatest potential, you need to find someone who is more of a comparable companion moving at your speed etc and the two of you would push each other to the greatest height so overall the greatest height that either that any of those people are going to achieve is when you have two people who are already you know pretty far up the trail they're great you know seasoned folks they got the know-how they got the resources boom they're going to reach the mountaintop or you know the sky's the limit and you could say well yeah but that's different I'm this way because I'm, you know, at this point in my life, I made these choices and I'm halfway up the mountain. But look at that guy down there. He's he's at the bottom of the mountain. I could bring him up here. That's right. But how far are you going to go? You're going to go back. You're going to go forth. You don't get the time or the resources or whatever back. Do you, can you feel really great about it? Sure, you could. But there's people who are a little lower in their range of being able to go down and save him and bring it up, up to their level and still be able to have all these resources to scale way up the mountain. It's very different. So you look at it mathematically. You're at a positive five. This person's at a negative five. The closest person to them is someone who's closer to negative five. And in order for you to go from positive five to positive ten, you only got a range of five to go. How long would it really take to take someone who is so, you know, without means or socially awkward or rehabilitation or they need therapy and they're, they're just a train wreck and go from a positive five, go all the way down ten spaces in the opposite direction. You're five from the top, but now you're going to be 15 from the top. And now you have to struggle with two people all the way back. Hmm. You know, like the lifeguard. You're running out there with the sharks. Whatever the perilous situation is. You gotta run out and drag that person all the way back to shore. But imagine what you really needed to do was take that person ten miles into town. Well, the easiest way to take somebody ten miles into town would be to meet someone who's closer to ten miles into town on your way there. <laughs> or to start where you're at even and then go ten miles into town. 
But the longest route you could take would be to go as far backwards as possible and then have to make that journey all the way back. And it takes time and patience and resources. It does. It's short. Your life will be shorter because it takes up time to get there. It could shorten your life for a variety of other reasons because it's a very, very difficult transition to go through the pain and agony and the, all of the kind of it is it's it's this exhausting compassion and otherwise to be able to even communicate back to to here and there and and you know all these folks in the world and you can go get you a rescue dog or you can get you one that's just been born yeah but uh um <coughs> think about that it's the reason that operations and military and businesses and everybody else in the world take fresh folks who they can then give them their first habits or, you know, they're still extremely impressionable. And then they move forward and make the most progress that they can possibly make. It's very different to take people who have bad habits or a traumatic history and may not even have, they certainly don't have the same potential because they don't have the same lifespan left. They don't have the same open mind. They're, they have a tremendous amount of scar tissue. They've, they have tremendous limits now as to how far they can go and how fast they can get there. And you have to, if you don't, you don't have to, but if you don't think about how you're choosing a partner in those terms, it's, it's awful to then experience and come to that realization later once all that time is gone. So I think that's something to, to think about. I, uh, I smoked my whole cigarillo. I had a, one of these grape-flavored Swisher Secrets. My cigar did not stay lit the way I wanted it to, but it, it, it's difficult to talk through the podcast and smoke a cigar and have all this fun. I hope you guys are having a good Sunday. I'm going to see. There's not much of this pineapple rum left, so Captain Morgan's going to... This will be an empty vessel when I'm done with it today. But uh, I'm not a big drinker or anything else. I'm not a big smoker. Like, if I didn't buy any more alcohol, I'd be fine. If I never got another tobacco product or whatever, it wouldn't bother me. I just, it's very wild how the different seasons of my life are like this, where I find things that I, I, th I enjoy. That was a, an experimental kind of period where I'm a social scientist, so to speak. And then I see that there, it doesn't hold like a long term value uh it's it's not something to invest in people are ideas are freedoms are i think that's important and um i hope that you guys you know if you listen i hope that you you really take some of the things that i've taken the time to share and i i've gone out there and had the the learning experiences for you so you can then take my advice and, or, you know, however you want to look at it, you can take my lessons and see if they apply to you. And I certainly would encourage you to treat it like, um, I'm giving you this, this wonderful directional sort of cue. I'm giving you shortcuts that you don't have to 
subject yourself to the same kinds of difficult situations that I did. There's another side of me that's very much like, hey, you'll never really appreciate it if you don't have the same kind of, you may not appreciate it at the same level. Maybe your life won't be as sincere and as, uh, uh, you won't feel as, uh, maybe secure is the right word, but as, as accomplished or like you've gone as far because you didn't have to have the, I don't know what it's like to have a losing season. We've always been winners around here. Oh, okay. Maybe you don't appreciate winning to the level that you should. Because you don't know what it's like at the bottom. That's a different kind of take on things. But I think you should have a healthy mix on how you look at that versus... How you, you know, as I was talking about in, in terms of choosing a partner, I think you should look at, you know, how you make those decisions because if you if you just want to know what it's like to be in, in a disastrous situation, go visit some other historical ruins or, you know, join, the be a volunteer fireman or see what you can do for a a non-profit organization to have some humility because you see people in real time in those circumstances. But I would not encourage you to burn your own house down to see what it's like to have to rebuild everything. Kind of foolish, right? Anyway, I'm going to cue up some exit music and I've got some other things I've got to get done on Sunday. But I appreciate you spending some time with me, hope maybe you learned a few things. Maybe you hate me a little bit more. But enjoy yourself, and uh, catch you next time. We can make the